Hey, can you do me a favor? Turn that light bulb on. There we go. That's perfect. Let's wake these people up. Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to Food for Thought, where we inspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz, and today here we have Tim. Now, uh, Tim, um, I've known you for such a long time. I mean, I think I've been cutting your hair now for, I think, all the duration that I've been cutting, because I think I only started cutting hair like a year and a half to two years professionally with my license you know, before, you know, since the beginning. So it's been about a decade now. Yeah. I was going to say about 10 years that I've been cutting your hair now. So I've known your story from beginning to end. Now, the first day I met you, uh, you were coming out of jail. Correct. You had like the dumbest mushroom haircut that I've ever (laughs) seen. I think in my life, you were so happy. There was like 10 guys around your four guys. I don't even know. (laughs) They were all happy. You know, we're excited to see you. So you got your haircut, and ever since then, I mean, I think we've gotten along great. You know, um, usually from barber to client relationship is not too much contact, but with you, it seems like we've talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, and I've gotten to know you. So, I you were one of the people that immediately, as soon as I started this podcast, like you were in the background, like, and I was like, you know what, Tim would be good. Tim would be good. But what hooked me into making you come into this was when you told me that you went for this retreat on meditation, on silent meditation, just complete, complete silence. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, before we do get into that, I wanted to hear what your um, thoughts were on the podcast, on the on the first five podcasts that you've heard. Kind of what you what do you think about this? I think what you're doing is great. <clears throat> you know, it's it's kind of sad that we have to open people's eyes to things nowadays. Uh, we're too distracted in today's society. We've got blinders on, and uh, a podcast like yours, you know, talking about these topics, really connecting to the people and, and breaking it down to their level is going to be a really valuable asset. I think it's going to take time for people to really catch traction and take the time to listen. Um, But like you've seen in what, you know, a few months here, you've got a great growth in your audience, which is very impressive. Uh, There's a lot of different podcasts out there, so it can be very challenging to stand out. And you've already caught some traction, which is awesome. Um, I really look forward to seeing what direction you take this, as well as, you know, bringing back certain um, guests and just getting a little bit more deeper uh into your discussions with them what what did you think about uh fernando and leslie did you hear that one uh there was the couple it was the 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 guy and the girl that were on together and it was about life choices and decisions pretty much correct yeah that was one of the first ones i listened to which was a few weeks back uh that if i remember correctly that was one of my favorites um it's it really is uh it's you know there's there's so much going on in this world nowadays that no one really slows down to embrace the moment, what they're actually, you know, interacting with and experiencing in that moment. They're also worried about what happened yesterday or last week or what's going to happen next week. And, uh, you know, we really need to embrace that and realize that we need to take the time to enjoy that moment and cherish it and make the most of it. Um, You know, what was the most recent one you did here on love? Yeah, it was uh, the difference between love and romance. 
Yes. Now, that one I was driving and semi-distracted as I was listening to, to be honest. But that one really caught my interest, too. Uh, I've been single and, and out here dating for a little while now, and it's, it's really, it's, it's different. Uh, often I wish it, it was back uh, in the 80s or so, and I was facing those circumstances rather than today's day and age of, of dating. It's like a constant game. Uh, everybody wants the next better, bigger thing, and uh, it's it's just trying to keep someone's attention. And some sometimes I'll I'll go tell my friends that I'm doing a social experiment with these online dating apps, just sending out random messages just to see what types of responses and to see what types of cries for attention there may be, or you know like what these girls are really what they really desire. And I, I don't really believe that all of them are looking for love like they claim. I think that they think that they are. Um, but really, they just want constant attention and they want to feel good about themselves. They and, want that, that sense of romance in their life, you know. Um, but, you know, you're interesting because you're, um, you have a success. You, I think you're, you're a, good, a great success story. And, you know... You're not a bad looking dude. So what do you feel that has, you know, kind of you're, you're single. I mean, you're you're a good enough age to have met quite enough girls. I mean, do you not believe in monogamy or do you just kind of like want to just be free? Do you want to just worry about your business or do you feel that like you've not met the right one that is a great partner to you? That's it. You know, I, I'm looking for my PIC, my partner in crime, and uh, have a very unique, um, driven personality. And it's going to take a rare match, you know, to, to meet my needs, you know, and, and I want somebody that I can really grow with and uh, that I can't live without. And unfortunately, the, the dozens and dozens of dates that I've been on, I've yet to meet that person. I've met a lot of wonderful women, some of which I've become business uh, partners with and some of which I've become friends with. Um, but I just have yet to meet that woman that I feel as if I can't live without. And that's what I really want. And it seems to me like that's what you have, which I really admire because you see less and less of it nowadays. You know, I have a, a childhood friend I just spent a weekend with last weekend. And we were talking about his parents, who I've never seen anyone so in love. Not it, More than my parents were when they were married. It's unbelievable. And uh, it's been 30 plus years. And it's just, you don't hear those stories anymore. It's so much easier. In, in our society now, it's easier to get a new car because the old car costs too much or doesn't look good anymore. And it's easier to get the divorce and go find the new wife than it is to actually fix the problems that, that are, there are in the marriage. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's tough. Uh, I, I'm not the type that wants to settle. So when I meet these women, I've met some that are great and, and I've dated them for a long period of time. But, uh, you know, if they don't meet the requirements and I feel <laughs> like I'm being a little absurd right now, but... It, no, no, it, no, no. I, I, I don't think it is because a lot of people um, don't, pull, uh, don't put an, enough thought into this. So they go in there, you know, it's like if you... If you don't know what you want to eat, you're going to spend 45 minutes driving through, you know, a street trying to figure out, do I want Wendy's? Do I want Taco Bell? Do I want Subway? Do I want Chinese food? You know, when you're when you're off on a, in a direction and you know where you're going, you don't waste time, you know, pulling into Wendy's, looking at the menu. No, all right. You know, then pulling into Burger King, then pulling into Subway, then pulling, you know, 
I think this brings you, you know, it, it allows you to not have such a waste of time, which uh, people will go 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, still wondering, you know, where, why, how, you know, so I, I don't, I don't think at all. I think it's actually a good thing, to be honest with you. I think too many people these days just settle, you know, they'd rather not be alone. And this guy's good enough. And, you know, just because he hits me once a week, it's no big deal. Or maybe it's not even that intense. Maybe just because he, he doesn't make me feel loved or, you know, he doesn't do the, the typical things that guys should do in a relationship. Um, it's sad some of the stories that you hear and these women deserve much more. Um, you know, and then you flip the coin and there are women out there that are, they don't have much dignity and, and they put themselves out there and they use their powers to manipulate men to get what they want. And, uh, you know, it's harder to respect those women and to really be in a committed relationship with someone like that, that you can see so clearly that that's their main, uh, you know, that's what's driving them is their power their of their beauty. And, and it's sometimes it, you really start to think deep into it. Like what caused that? Was it because their father never made them feel beautiful when they were younger? Was it because they were the ugly duckling growing up and then they blossomed? You know, it's, it's always so much deeper, which is always so interesting to me. Um, the, a lot of who we are now is from the roots of our parents and, and how we grew up, which I think you talked about on one of the recent uh, podcasts. Okay. I've been very fortunate to have a great family, and I believe you have as well. And that's played a big role in, I believe, our success. We both have sim- similar type stories of, of growth from a young age and just being very driven and motivated and, and not being able to accept no for an answer. Um, <clears throat> today's world you hear more no's than yeses, and it's easy to just shut down. Oh, well, they said no. I can't do it. And to me, that doesn't work. Well, why Why are they saying no? You know, I have to question it. And why can't I do that? And, you know, who are they to say that? And, you know, to, sometimes authority plays a role, and, you know, you, you're stonewalled. But other times you can push those limits and really expand as a human being and, uh, you know, really break through your goals. Goals are another important uh, thing to have uh, to really outline what you want and, uh, you know, head in that direction. Did you know that you wanted to have a barbershop and that you were going to have a, a podcast one day? Uh, you to, know? to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, in, in my heart, I was never going in, in, in the direction of the podcast. Barbering, I mean, I love doing it, but I never thought I was good enough to own a business and then I, th- I think I was scared of failure I was scared of ending up in failure and then ending up worse you know because we constantly are we're living towards a climax you know so to to better ourselves every day you know because nobody wants to look back and go I've worsened in life you know or, or things have gotten worse no you know we live towards a climax to constantly improve and I think I was scared that I had gotten towards a certain climax and I was scared what if I do this and then I regress instead of progress? So I think I was scared of failure. So I, in, in my head, I never even thought of owning the business until one day a falling out happened. And then I stopped for the first time ever to think to myself, I mean, am, am I good enough to do this? And then I started looking at my talent. I said, I am good. Like what has held me back all these years? So I decided to myself, no, like let's, let's do this, you know? And, and then I, I think my my mentality and perseverance from like you were saying, you know, from a childhood, just moving always towards bettering myself, towards not taking no for an answer, towards the history of my life, 
that made me a strong character just, you know, brought me to this point in life, I think now today, which I'm guessing is the same for you, you know? Yes. Now, back to the, you know, the fear. Do you, I, it, sometimes it stems from family and the way that we were raised and the limitations that were put on us there. Uh, I don't really feel like you face that. Do you, do you feel like the fear stemmed from somewhere else or was it just internal in your head and you had to work past that yourself? No, no. I think for me, honestly, for me, that was, uh, I think the fear stemmed from uh, a little bit of my childhood, you know, more than anything. Because I went through, um, I guess, difficult times as a child from abuse to different different things. And I think... Um, in that, in the back of my head, you know, at moments, I always felt like I wasn't good enough, you know, um, which has kind of brought that whole abuse, you know, and the connection of the two. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. And I think that brought the fear in me till eventually one day I just kind of opened up. I was like, wait a minute. I, I don't even know what it was. I think it was just me getting uh, fired, you know. That was like the, you know, the, the wake up call. And then it just, it left me in limbo. Which being in limbo in, in, in midair just had no choice but to look at myself, you know. So I think that's where, I mean, I don't know where you feel that, because that, I mean, how was it for you, you know? I had a very supportive childhood. I was very grateful. My parents got divorced when I was around 10, though, but they still did a very good job to make sure that we felt loved and, and supported and that we could accomplish anything. I also had a very unique childhood in the sense that my grandfather owned small, uh, three small local businesses, a laundromat, a car wash, and a diner. So from age four, I was introduced to business, and I started working at the diner, taking orders, drawing suns for sunny-side-up eggs and strips of bacon. By the time I was eight years old, I was cooking the whole menu. Now, it's a 10-booth diner. It's a small place, but... You know, to have that type of exposure to customer service, to, to handling money, to just, you know, job ethic, worth ethic, you know, and, and having a, a weekend schedule at that early age really, I think, helped develop so many skills for me that helped me always believe in myself and really never feel any limitations. Of course, there's, there's often times that I feel limited, you know, uh, but once I really sit down and now at this point where I'm at and, and meditate on it and really think my way through it, I realize it's all just in my head and that I, I can do anything that I really want to. I have to want it bad enough because it takes an, a lot of work. And that's the problem. Not enough people today are willing to put in the work. We, we're in such an instant gratification instant gratification world nowadays where everybody just wants that instant satisfaction and you know that whether it be the, the the notification on the phone or their food in less than eight minutes or it's free or whatever whatever you know they want that right away and um it's not realistic always and patience is key patience has really gotten me to where i am now um so i was exposed to that at an early age and i worked there until i was 16 and from there, I went on to Friendly's. And uh, I was a ice cream parlor there for a while. My arms would be sticky and covered in ice cream every night. I hated the job, but I, I loved the opportunity to be exposed to the people in such a fast-paced industry and uh, making all the tips. 
that led to serving and I just became a, a people person. And as I learned more and more about myself, I realized that there, you know, the limitations don't really exist. You know, some people it's easier than others, maybe because of their resources, you know, people come in from families with money. It's easier for them to develop a business than it is for somebody like me who has to do it off of my own, you know, back. Um, but at the end of the day, in today's world that we live in, everything's at our fingertips with these computers and phones. So all the resources are there. So a little bit back to, to my story, like I, I, you know, I worked through Friendlies and I went off to college to a school that both of my sisters went to. And at the time, the right thing to do was to go to, to college. That's what my family wanted. So I didn't know where I wanted to go. So I went to Becker College where they went. And uh, went for business administration and halfway through my freshman semester, I decided it wasn't for me. And I packed up my stuff and left. My family was furious. <clears throat> I had student loan debts and nothing to show for it. And I came home to go back to serving. And I got into um, hanging out with the wrong group. And we got into some mischief which, uh, you know, led to some, some trouble for me and led uh, myself to jail. So we were uh, about 18 at the time, and we were stealing navigations out of vehicles. We thought it was cool. And the thing is, at that time, like, I didn't think into it. Like, I knew better. I was raised better. My family would be, was, had no idea, and they were going to be furious. But at the time, it just it felt so right. Uh, I was driven off of adrenaline and success because I was making money and uh, quickly that caught up to us and, and caught me in some trouble and uh, at the time um, you know I was the only one that went down because it was all through my mom's eBay account and it was it was it was a bad bad time and my family was distraught no one saw it coming and so I ended up in prison for uh, 13 months at 18 years old I went in at 18 and uh, I turned 19 shortly after, and I, then I turned 20 in there. So I spent two birthdays in there, um, and it was it was one heck of an experience. That's to say the least. At 18 years old, to go into a maximum security prison, never been in trouble before. I grew up in a, a really strict household. I went to Catholic school as a child. I never had a detention in high school. I graduated high school early. The teachers, the principals, everyone loved me. I just hit this rebellious phase and got mixed in with the wrong group of kids and they were up to this and I happened to be good at it and next thing you know I'm in jail um going there was <laughs> you know I was blindsided I never thought I would be there no one in my family thought that um and I was scared um 18 years old never being in any trouble you go into this place and it's just all these scary guys um so quickly I, I realized that I had two choices I either coward and you know and cried or 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 asked to go home like that that's not realistic or i you know manned up and and i i fit in and you know i had to really uh, adapt emotionally and hold back learn to hold back a lot of emotions learn to not show my fear i had to learn to make friends with people that i really didn't want to be friends with but i knew that that was what needed to happen to really survive and not have any trouble I didn't <clears throat> I didn't want any problems in there so I did what I had to do and and I did it well and and I made it through 13 months with no problems at all visits every week from my family letters that the support was unbelievable that was the biggest biggest part it's it's a mental mind game in there to 
sit in your cell by yourself and just think about, you know, you, you, you need permission to go shower. You need permission to cook food. You know, you, you, you can't call somebody if you want to. And to, to have those basic rights taken away from you, it, it really opens your eyes and makes you realize how you, you take things for granted. And, uh, I really took my family's love and support for granted at the time. I was uh, I was distraught, and uh, you know it was scary. Um, but I made it through the 13 months, and I came out, and I still kind of had uh, you know a, a thuggish mentality a little bit. And that's when I first met you. I came to the barber shop. That was the first place I went when I got home because I needed a haircut so that I could look normal again. And uh, I knew that I needed to come home and prove to my family that I was not the man that they knew for the past year and that I was going to make this right and I would never let them down again. And uh, so I came and got a haircut and that's what guys do, feel fresh again. <laughs> Juan knows, it's what supports his family here. So he, uh, he took me up good uh, and we were about the same age and we hit it off good with some conversation. And so I decided he, from there on out, he was my barber. And uh, our relationship grew from there, you know, talking cars, because that's what I was into at the time. And um, I went back to Friendly's at that time and started serving again. And then I went to um, Longhorn, which they hired me knowing my my criminal record. And shortly after, they uh, failed to do the proper background check and they fired me. Um, and because it was in a 90 day grace period by Connecticut state law, they didn't need any reasons. So that was like the first time that I had been home and I felt good about a new job and I was doing good and I was headed in the right direction. And then because of my mistakes, that was ripped out from underneath me. And that was a kind of a terrible feeling because it was tough to get a job in the beginning with a record. Um, and that's when I kind of realized like the system is set up not to help these people that get out now, I, you know, keep in mind everyone that I had never been in any trouble before and no one was hurt in any of these things. And we're talking just suction cup, GPS navigations, you know, you just made we, one simple we, mistake. We, like everything else was good before that. Everything after that good, just one moment in your life that you got caught up in. Exactly. And, uh, so it was tough to really realize that, I had to, at that time, I realized that I had no choice but to really create my own opportunity for myself because the system was set up against, you know, getting these people back on their feet. When you come out, they, they, they have these mandatory programs that you have to go through, and some of them are beneficial, but not really. They're dated, and our world has changed so much in the past decade with all the technology that they, they really need to, to change the way that they do business there to get these, these convicts back into society and get everyone functioning good and, and not set them up for failure. One of the things that blew my mind the most when I was in there was the amount of people that I watched go home and then come back in in the period of time that I was there. I made a promise to myself that when I went in there, I was never going back. And I didn't understand why they were coming back. And then I shor shortly after I realized they didn't know any other life. They got home, they had a family to support, and they knew nothing but selling drugs, let's just say. So they went back to it, and that caught them up and got them back in the system. And nobody probably taught them honest, hard work, you know, because you and me were taught that. Like, you know, I, I, I more or less have the same story. You know, mine kind of was like that. My father, you know, built a business, owned, you know, apartment complexes. 
and owned houses and renting and doing his own finding you know flipping houses then you know you know owning a construction company i mean he grew you know big 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 you know so i was able to kind of have that love and support and the same exact thing as you do so we got to see hard work you know some of these guys never get to see it they go from generations to generations to generations of cheating the system you know, living off of health care, living off of the food stamps, living off of uh, cash assistance and, and living, you know, finding ways to make money off of doing bad things. And then just having your McDonald's, you know, low income, you know, minimum wage job just to be able to pay the bills. And then what really makes the money in the bread and the butter is doing everything outside of that, the outside of the law, you know. So I think you and me. We're blessed to have families that taught us hard work. And in turn, when we made the bad decision and we screwed up, because I did, I, I did more or less the same thing that you did. You know, uh, a lot of my family members know this, but same thing kind of happened with me. You know, the only difference is I didn't get caught. So I was doing the same thing. But mine, I think mine, you know, mine was a little crazy because I was going off to steal rims. And, I, and, and as I go to take one of the rims, it was me and one of my other boys. And me and two of my other boys. And we're taking the rims. And as we're taking the rims off of this car, we, because we, we, the house was abandoned. So we just saw this really nice car with really nice rims. And we're like, oh, we can take this easy. And out of nowhere, as we're taking, we hadn't even taken off like the first or second lug nut, I think it was. And out of nowhere, it just clicks. Boom. You know? And you just hear, you know, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, uh, tires screeching and the tires begin to screech because, you know, you're um, what began to happen was is, is you're the guy who had seen his car there saw us, you know, as he drove by his house and he saw us taking the rims. And the first thing he does is, you know, he he he's he. Pulls, goes back in reverse and we hear the and then we hear this and then he's yo what are you guys doing in my car you know some puerto rican guy and he gets out and then the first thing he does is pull out a gun and i was like oh and one of my boys was fit the other one was like you know chunky so the one who's fit you know quickly runs and jumps the fence you know and gets over and the other one we're running and i'm running behind him and i'm like this dude ain't jumping the fence. I was like, so if I jump that fence and he don't jump that fence, he's getting his, you know, whooped. So I'm like, oh no. So the first thing I do is I run back the other way and I ran right through them. So of course they didn't see my boy because he was, he had a black hoodie. So he just blended in the dark. So they didn't know that he was there. I just ran off and these guys were chasing me down. I mean, my friend said that they could hear tires screeching from a distance. They just heard, Err! You know, everywhere because they were hitting the brakes, hitting the gas, hitting the brakes. You know, I was jumping through fences, going through bushes, you know. Um, you know, they shot off two or three bullets, you know, and, and it was just crazy. And at that moment, I was just kind of like, I got to change. You know, after this whole thing happened, I was like, I got to change my whole lifestyle. I got to change who I am. I got to change what I do. And, you know, kind of like you, I was like, I'm never, ever going to put myself in that scenario. That was the scariest moment of my life. I mean, hearing bullets and the guy was right behind me and all I heard was bullets being shot off. So I'm like, oh, my God, that was just freaking me out. 
And I told myself, I'm never going to put myself in that scenario again. So kind of like you, you know, you're in jail and you're like, I'm never, I'm never let, allowing myself to come back into this. It, it's sad that sometimes we need such a big event to happen to really bring, bring us back to reality and be like, what are we doing? You know, I'm never going to do this again. Uh, and we're both very lucky and grateful that it didn't include death, you know, and that you didn't get shot that night and that no one shanked me in prison, you know, because that's the reality is that that could have happened. And, uh, you know, I put myself in that situation by my making the poor decisions that I made. And I regret those. And, and, you know, for anybody out there listening, I'm sorry if I ever did you wrong. It's not who I am <laughs> anymore. <laughs> they're they're uh, running around the street looking for a guy named Tim. Are you Tim? No, they you all got letters my... in the mail. They, <laughs> they know who I am. And uh, I paid my restitution. And, and, you know, since then I've... So I've, wait, they, they, they um, all the people, like, they knew who you were? Like, they found out who are the ones, you know. Through the court, they would give them um, information, you know, letting them know about the court date in case they wanted to attend and, you know, put in their two cents. And then at the end, they were all contacted for uh, restitution to get payment information. And basically, the court set up a payment program that I would have to pay them and they would reimburse these people. Um, so like they, they had my full name and everything. I don't know that they had address or anything like that, but they had access to me if they wanted me, you know, luckily it was just some suction cup GPSs and nothing too crazy. Cause, uh, I'm sure I made a lot of people upset, you know, coming out to your car in the morning and your windows broken. And I really, really, really am grateful that I have yet to experience that myself. And, uh, you know, karma goes and comes around and, and I've actually had somebody break into, my house at one point since then i've had somebody break into one of my job sites at one point since then so do do you ever do you ever look back and like damn this is how i made somebody feel like do you think that in your heart like absolutely absolutely (laughs) it makes me feel like a terrible person which has made me a better person today yeah you know it's made me so much more aware because at that time i wasn't aware of the moment i wasn't thinking of the consequences i wasn't thinking about anybody but myself and that was selfish isn't it crazy and, how egotistic we are up until something bad happens to us that wakes us up to I mean, if we have a good conscience, it wakes us up to a different reality. But we live, you know, from, from, from birth all the way up until the day our parents decide to go, you're off on your own. We, we are taught that it's all about us, you know, from birth up until that point. It's all about you, 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 you. And we never are. It's funny because when we never truly try to teach our children it's more than just you you know if you think about that oh how how often do we go through the society i mean it goes through generations and generations and we never teach anybody it's more than just you we're always teaching them from birth from every action from the day that they're born it's about our child you know that that's why you know uh little by little as i begin to notice this i have actually my kids upstairs i have an empty bedroom like my kids' bedrooms are pretty big, so I can fit my daughter. I have a crib, a bunk bed. I can fit another bunk bed and another full size bed, right in my daughter's bedroom. And I have a spare bedroom. My boys, I could probably fit two bunk beds in there comfortably, you know. And um, you know, I don't. I purposely don't let them sleep by themselves because I want them to understand that life in society is more than just yourself. That you can't go around uh, crying, 
you know, because you're going to wake up your little brother. You know, you can't go around screaming and yelling or throwing or pooping and peeing, you know, wherever you want, because now the other one's got to deal with you. And guess what? When they got to deal with you, you're going to see their reactions and their reaction is probably going to be pissed off. So you learn to think that it's not just about me. So for that reason, I have an empty bedroom upstairs. I could fit comfortably another two bunk beds in another bedroom. And I don't do it because of that reason, because I want my kids to understand that life is more than just yourself, you know? So for that reason, I've kind of, but anyways, I think sharing the space is great too. You know, it it really teaches them that, uh, it's not always going to go their way, you know, and there's always going to be a middle ground. Um, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I have a friend who's 30 years old and he just moved out of his mother's house and he's an only child. Mother's a great, he's a great kid. I've known him for over a decade. Um, and, uh, he, he's never had any, he's never lived with anyone else. He's never had to adapt to any situation, you know, and he's, he whines about all of it. And it's, it's blow, it blows my mind. It's like, I have to always just look at him and say, you're a grown ass man. What are you doing? Like you're reacting like a child right now. Like, I'm sorry that I'm making breakfast in the morning and you're trying to sleep in late. Like it, it's just, it's, it really shows you how much of a um, person is influenced by their environment as they grow old, you know, and, and when they're younger. Um, and it, it just boggles my mind. Um, but wh- where were we before that? I'm sorry. I don't even know. <laughs> we're all over the place. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I did want to get into, so um, this is one, one of the big reasons why I kind of wanted you to come in uh, because – you went to go do this meditation. Oh, that's right. I was in the middle of the story of, yeah, uh, of, yeah that's right. So, um, now Tim went off and, um, so you've, you've gone through your whole story, you know, well, so finish, yeah, let me just finish, finish that yeah, off. I was going to so, say that. Yeah. So that was early twenties. And, um, you know, when I had gotten lost the job for having a criminal record and had something taken away. And that was a point of which I realized that I'm going to need to create an opportunity for myself because, I can't live inside this box that they're eliminating me to. I wasn't comfortable going to work for minimum wage at a shoe store or something along those lines. The jobs that were willing to accept me, I wasn't interested in those. So at that point, I started to look and look for opportunities, and I got lucky, and I ended up with a company that did construction, and I kind of was just the helper, you know, get this tool, get that tool, clean this up. And shortly, within a year, they realized that I was worthy of much more. And within two years, I was their lead guy, and I was doing kitchens and bathrooms and all sorts of construction projects that I was loving because at this point, I'm 25 years old. And at the, uh, now, remind you, I had never done any of this stuff before. So I'm learning how to read a tape measure. I'm learning how to swing a hammer, like all the basics. I had, I had no background in it at all. So quickly I figured it out because it was the best opportunity that I had going at the time. And uh, I started to challenge myself by trying to do stuff that the, we weren't doing inside the company. And that, like, for example, crown molding in certain, like, vaulted ceilings. So I'd go to the internet. This is, like, 2010 or so. Uh, 2011, something like that. And I go to the internet and I start to teach myself how to do this. I realize like, all right, well, if, if I don't know who's going to, if I don't know anyone to ask, like, 
the internet definitely knows, you know, and, and I realized quickly, you have to filter through a lot of the garbage. There's a lot of stuff out, out there that shouldn't be out there. And I hope that within years that we kind of get some sort of filtration system to clean up the internet and get a lot of the garbage out of there. But uh, anyways, I, I realized that I had to create an opportunity. So that's what I did. I started to, to educate myself as much as I could within this company. And eventually a day came that uh, I had an argument with the, the owner and he said, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to leave or you're going to deal with it. And I said, I'm going to leave. And I left and I went out on my own, started my own company. That was, um, five years ago this January, which is incredible to think how crazy time flies by. Um, and I started my own construction company and I had never had a business. I had never, nothing, nothing, and never done any of it other than working for this guy. And uh, I never had any of the business or marketing background in it. So I, again, I self-taught myself books, podcasts, um, the, the YouTube, Google, and I would do the best that I could to verify my sources. And I never took no for an answer. Uh, there actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but when I applied for my contractor license in, in the state of Connecticut, <clears throat> they sent me a letter saying that it went to an appeal board and immediately I knew it was because of my past and I needed that license because I had a $50,000 job on the line, which was huge at the time. And that there was, I wasn't letting that thing go. So I looked on the internet and I realized that they had a special review department for the licensing in Connecticut. So I went in their Connecticut's directory. And this took me a while and a lot of patience. Back to patience. Patience is key. It's very underestimated. Uh, and I took, took my time to figure out who was in charge of that special investigation unit. And I got to the top and I found his phone number because in the state, everything's listed, their directory. And I called them direct. And you should have heard this guy when I called him. He was shocked. He's like, who, how'd you get my number? Who, who told you to call me? And I just told him the truth, you know, because that's what you have to do. You got to just be true to yourself and be honest. And, and it, it always works out in the end. It's not always as easy. But it's always works out in the end. And I was honest with him. And after a couple of weeks of him thinking about it, he called me back and said, you know what, you're approved. And the reason is because you were persistent. And I can tell that you're going to do something good with this. So I got the license and I went out on my own. And uh, I navigated through the waters of construction. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to be different than the rest. And I, I did a very good job at handling the customer service and the sales and uh, the hardest task was staffing it's very difficult to find reliable sober quality construction workers um so i've fought that battle consistently uh for years now and it's actually had me it's come to the point where i've almost scaled the company back a little bit just so that i feel more in control than rather than just all this ludicrous wildness um I now have some rental properties and that's kind of my goal is to continue to build my rental portfolio and do these flip houses and, and kind of grow a legacy that I can leave behind for my kids. Um, but over the past five years of the growth of the business, I've been uh, in and out of some short-term relationships and I've taken a lot of time to focus on myself and development of myself and realize what my strengths were, what my weaknesses were. You know, I, I have lists for everything. I'm a list guy. I have a list in my phone of everything to improve about myself and, you know, list for everything. It's great. Um, now, now that list is like uh, personal characteristics or is it kind of like uh, 
outer like uh, materialistic stuff uh it's it's a little bit of both um but mostly personal um attributes that I want to work on like I have a lot of tendencies to do things like my father like you know if you're speaking I speak over you and these are just little pet peeves of mine that I've grown more aware to as I've gotten older that I want to work on and and just things that I want to be a better person you know um so I I had a friend that I grew up with I've known for over I've known him for 25 years and uh we lived together for a period of time while I was growing the business and uh, he worked for a big company and a day came that he was just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be the company man. I'm done. And he went off on this journey backpacking across the United States. I thought it was crazy. I'm like, what is this guy doing? But he had, what kind of job was it? He was working at EB Electric Boat as a designer making decent money. You know, he just, he saw the cycle there and how everybody is just in this routine and they don't think outside of the box and they're just robots it's crazy i i i hear that story almost i'll say once a week no three three i'll say three times a week i'm hearing the same story of just wake up you know breakfast eb in a cubicle then go back home go to sleep you know tv or whatever eat dinner you know tv and then go to sleep and then it's just like a life cycle exactly what you're saying you know so i've heard that multiple times but continue keep in mind there's nothing wrong with that if you're happy with that then more power to you you know it's all about being true to yourself and being honest and and making yourself happy and treating the loved ones around you with the care and respect that they deserve you know so if you're okay being that robot going to eb every day then then good for you it's a good job they give out great benefits and stuff but that's not for everyone so this buddy of mine he realized it wasn't for him he went out on this journey and he started going to all these different um, Buddhist, uh, what are they, temples or whatnot, and meditation centers. And he found this one practice of meditation called Vipassana meditation. And uh, he started doing courses there. And uh, I thought he was crazy, to be honest. I'm like, what are you doing? This kid was a wild partier. Like, he was he was one of my best friends growing up. And he is still my best friend. And uh, so I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm, I didn't understand what his journey was. But we went probably about a year or so of me not seeing him. He was doing a lot of volunteer work at one of the Vipassana meditation centers. And when he came back, like, just talking with him, he was just so happy. And, like, you could just feel his energy. And it was just a different mark than the mark that I grew up with. And I was like, I got to know more about this. Like, what happened to you to make – you just so – you feel so – he's so fulfilled and so happy. And uh, I just had never seen that side of him. So he – talked to me a little bit about Vipassana meditation and checking it out. And again, I kind of thought it was crazy. And this past year, I was in a pretty serious relationship and it, it went sour and I wasn't really happy about that. And I hit a point where I'm like, well, like, what am I doing? Like, I, I, I want to learn more about myself. Like, maybe it's me. Maybe, maybe I need to you know, adapt who I am to be in a successful relationship. And maybe I can find that in meditation. So, and I, you know, I also wanted to strengthen lots of aspects of my business and just life overall. So I, I tried a 10 day course this past June, 2018 at Vipassana Meditation Center in Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. Most intense thing I've ever done. And I'll be honest, I'm grateful for my prison experience because I know that that gave me the strength to make it through. It was unlike anything else. Basically it's, um, it's a pretty intense structure. So you, you show up 
and <clears throat> it's a 10-day course and for the first nine days you're in pure silence so you don't speak at all you eat breakfast you meditate you take a break you meditate you take a break you meditate you meditate 10 hours throughout the day um, which keep in mind I'd never meditated ever in my life and I showed up at this place. Uh, I like, but how, how do you meditate? I mean, like, do you go to your room and just sit there for an hour? Like, what's, so, what, what is the meditation method? Okay. So the course structure is um, there's certain, throughout the day, there's different times where you'll meditate in your room or you can meditate in the hall. They have a meditation hall and they do group meditations there. And throughout the day, there's three mandatory group meditation sits and they're an hour long. And you go in this hall. And so the first three days of the practice, it's uh, just really calming the mind. So what they have you do is the triangle of the nose and the upper lip. So if you made a triangle around your nose and the top of your lip, you focus on just that area. And you focus on your breath in and out of your nose. You don't count. You don't say in and out. You just let your mind go and you focus on that. And your mind goes everywhere. It's crazy. You're in a room where there's 70 men on one side and 70 women on the other and then some teachers and staff up front. So there's a lot of people. It's quiet, you know, and you're just thinking about everything. It's incredible. So you just continuously train your mind to go back to your breath, back to your breath for three days straight. It sounds crazy. But after that, you, you've, you've sharpened up your, your awareness so much that on the fourth day they introduce Vipassana, the practice of meditation of which you basically scan your body for sensations. So like you start at the top of your head and you just bring your awareness from the, the top of your head all the way down your body. And you're trying to become aware of sensations, being of which maybe heat, maybe a tingle, maybe a tickle, maybe a pain. And what you do is you observe those sensations, but you do not react to them. So, you know, typically in our reactive society and mindset, we, we itch, we scratch that itch, you know, we don't take the time to, to be aware of it and just observe it and then move on. And so the whole practice of Vipassana is really to train your mind that all these sensations, they, they all have one thing in common. They all arise and they all pass. Nothing lasts forever. So you want to really wrap your head around that and realize that that pain that I'm experiencing is only here for right now and it's going to be gone soon. So if I take my mind off of it and I don't react to it, then it's going to go away faster. And it, it really, it seemed ludicrous to me. I'm like, this makes, this is, this is ridiculous. Like this doesn't work. And day four, I felt like tingles and I felt awareness and I was just blown away by it. And I, pr I sat there and just practiced breathing and, and just focusing on these sensations and really becoming more aware and the 10 day course like the best way to really put it into perspective it it's like graduating kindergarten and i have a lifetime of practice ahead of me to really master the skill but the the skill of it is to just be more in tune with yourself and more aware of the sensations that we're so reactive to we live in a time of, you just react to things you know you don't even realize it but when you want that cigarette it's because of a craving that your body is craving like it's a sensation that your body is craving and um, you don't even you're not even aware of those sensations you just react and you light that cigarette and you smoke another one or you know you're 
maybe your father yelled at you when you were a child and 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 now like whenever anyone yells you get defensive and it's just the the reaction where that's programmed into us and so you're really just learning to observe your body you know that i think that's uh that's the difference between us and animals you know because an animal an orangutan you know uh wants to have sex or wants to eat it does it you know and it does it because its nature makes it do it you know there's no reasoning behind his way of thinking while for us we do we have reason we have a process of thought but um i think many times we're kind of like animals but i, I we're, we're different in the sense that we have reasoning behind us allowing us to have dominion of ourself you know and that's what i think a lot of people don't have and i do do this you know i um, you know, because as a Catholic, there's morning prayers that you do. And then in between those, like towards the end of the morning prayer, you kind of have like these 15 minutes of meditation and you're right. The first few times when you're meditating, you're sitting there and you know, you can't just not think it's the hardest thing there is to do. I mean, we we're constantly, you know, true geniuses have free flowing just limbo thoughts you know what i mean just nothing you know we're constantly thinking 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 and and you're sitting there and if you try to do this you know you're like oh i gotta do this oh i gotta do that oh i gotta do this and then you feel an itch in your back and you gotta scratch that you know itch and then you feel you know uh something in your ear or you gotta blow your nose and you gotta open your mouth and then take a deep breath because you feel like you haven't opened your mouth forever you know Thought and, you heard your phone vibrate. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's crazy because, you know, we, we don't. You know, that's why, you know, in Christianity, they have this. It's, it's the fasting. Because think about it. When, when you eat, right, when, when you're hungry, the first thing you do, your first reaction is to eat, right? You, you, you immediately, you feel, you know, and you grab a pretzel and you, you, you automatically feed yourself. Without any thought, that's just na- nature, you know? To, to quickly so your your body truly um in a way controls you it, it controls your every that itch controlled you that itch was was an itch now i scratch you know it wasn't no stop you're not gonna scratch you're just gonna let that itch go through and you're gonna control what you're gonna do you know we we, we do everything by nature by nature it's it's an immediate reaction so fasting it's interesting because fasting teaches you to have dominion of yourself because you say, you tell your body, I'm not going to feed you. Guess what? You're going to, instead of eating right now, you're going to eat two hours from now, you know, and it begins, it, it becomes a mental thing, a psychological thing that you're going to teach yourself that that's not what you're going to do. You know, that at an impulse, when you, if you see a woman to immediately go and flirt and cheat on your wife, you know? You know, fasting, it's amazing what fasting will do. And, and, and it works in the same way that you're saying right now, you know, this this moment of just stopping, sitting, and just letting it pass through, you know? Yep. But just, just focusing on the present, you know? And when you're with your mind for so many days, first first off, there's no phones, there's no TVs, there's nothing, no books, no writing. But, but when nothing. they do the group meditation, I mean, if you're not supposed to be talking... Who's talking so, to explain okay. that to you? So they have what they call assistant teachers there as staff. But everything's on a recording from a teacher that has since passed. And um, so they just play audio tapes and it's direction. And it's real simple. It's just 
observe your body. Like, that's it. There's nothing more to it. And it's it's short, you know, a couple, 30 seconds, and then it goes away, and you're on your own. So it's really just you. You with your mind. And it's pretty crazy the things that will come up, the things that you forgot about. You know, the memories or the bad experiences. And then you start to think deeper and deeper into them. Like, well, is that why I act this way? Or is that why I feel this way? And, you know, you really start to dissect yourself as a human being. And really, you become more in tune with yourself and and learn more about your triggers and different things that that you like and don't like and uh it's so being there at the center it's 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 the energy there's incredible everybody's on the same page everybody's doing the same thing so it's easy well i shouldn't say it's easy but it's much easier compared to now where i'm back home and trying to practice daily the distractions and the noise it, it makes it much more difficult to get a solid meditation practice in at home. I'm lucky to do every other day now for an hour, you know, and now what what did you um what did you feel like you were remembering random things from the past that maybe you had suppressed for so long because you were just like I you never wanted to think about it? Like was this did you consciously not want to think about these things or just subconsciously you were just drowning it out with work? TV, social media, you know, and then then it just woke back up when you were there. Exactly. Drowning it out. Just drowned out by all the distractions that are put in front of us daily, whether it be the news feed or the accident over here or the election over there or this or that. We're we're fed daily with distractions thrown in our face. And And you know, I, I tell this to people so many times. I tell people, I'm like, listen, I'm like... Every day, you, you think about this, how often do you get into a car, and when you get into that car, you don't turn the radio on and just drive in silence? It, Nobody likes to do that. I mean, I, I sit with people, after going through this meditation thing, I love silence. I've, I've learned to love silence, and it kills me. I get into the car with people, and they're sitting there, and they got to talk with the radio on, because if there's just a 10-second gap of silence... They're okay uh, because people can't people can't bear the thought to live in silence because as soon as silence comes, exactly what happened to you begins to happen. You begin to think of things of your past, memories that you've suppressed, and then in turn, what begins to happen? You begin to feel maybe a sad feeling, or you begin to get happy, or who knows what what horrible things you know. And subconsciously, you know, maybe like you. You, you you don't notice it, but you, you're purposely forgotten it because you don't want to think about it, you know? But, you know, I'm, I'm almost positive, you know, and you'll probably say this, you know, thinking about it, think of thinking of that bad past, thinking of that horrible memory um, with enough thought became a good thing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and people are so scared of that. And I tell people, you know, like I'll be in the car with people, you know, they, they always say, don't touch another man's radio, you know? Dude, I be wanting to sit there and I'm like, oh my God. Like I hate driving with, like riding with people that have to keep the music on. I I don't know a single person that does, like that doesn't do that, you know? And I, I just want to knock the radio off and be like, dude, we're talking. Like, how do you hear me? How do we talk? If this, I mean, I do it in the barbershop, but you know, we kind of need to keep the music going for like clients that are just sitting down waiting. And it's the atmosphere. Yeah, there. it's the atmosphere that we kind of have to keep, you know, because nobody wants to sit there just mindlessly, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like the, you know, I, it it 
it mind boggles me that people don't like to sit there. And I'll tell people, you know, dude, do you like who wants to be in silence? I'm like, I do. Well, think about it. What takes more energy and effort to turn up the dial or to hold the conversation with someone for an extended period of time to hold the conversation? And people are lazy and they don't want to do that. Or maybe they're insecure. Maybe they don't know what to talk about. Maybe they're intimidated by you and they don't want, you know, they don't know how to hold the conversation with you. Maybe they love that Britney Spears song or whatever it yeah. may be, and they got to crank it up. <laughs> you, you know, it's 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 very interesting. Um, but it's funny. I just recently took a ride with my buddy up to Albany, New York, and um, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, and we drove all the way up and all the way back, and it was about the last 45 minutes that I realized we never had the radio on the whole entire time. We had just been having a great conversation. And, you know, when we weren't talking, it was just relaxing silence and good scenery. And Now, we, did he do this this thing, too, with you, this, that, this silent? Yes. See, that's great, man. Yes. Like when two people are are okay with silence, you know? Silence is amazing because for the first time ever, you know, you're able to to um, dialogue with yourself, you know? And m- many people think, no, what? You, how do you conversate with yourself? Go into silence and you'll see how you conversate with yourself. <laughs> you have deep, extensive, articulate conversations with yourself. In Latin, there's a phrase that says, uh, it's called soli loqui, which means I dialogue with myself. It's something that the philosophers say. Because when what makes great thinkers the great thinkers that uh great thinkers you know it's it's the fact that they dialogue with themselves you know steve jobs um i forgot where i read this but he had said um i don't know if it was in a book or a documentary or something he goes i I just sat there to think i mean he innovated the world he put the first smartphone out there you know what i mean he believed in himself yeah just by sitting there in silence, like, what can I do? But we don't, you know, and this is what I, I think, you know, I don't know if you heard the first, you said you heard them all, but the first podcast is what I'm talking about. You know, you sit there and you're constantly on your phone, just like you never have the moment to have, like we say, soliloquy, right? Just to dialogue with yourself. You're having a dialogue with your cell phone. I mean, and we, we don't dialogue with other human beings. You see how, how often I'll sit there and I'm cutting hair. And I look over and I look at Gus and I'm like, dude, look over. Like, and we look over and there's like four or five people just on their cell phone. There's, I have a big, now in my barbershop, I have a huge flat screen TV, huge, you know, nice chairs. I have a whole bunch of magazines, like good magazines, you know, men's journal, not some atrocious, like, you know, all sex appealing. No, I have great, great magazines, you know, on there. And no, nobody does that. You know, what's, you, what's a magazine? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty that's, much what I know. it might as well be. It's you know? ridiculous. And, and, and um, uh, Gus's daughter one time um, was, she, she told him, she was like, dad, she goes, you know what all the guys do? And she said that she, you know, he told me, he's like, she posed, she sat there and she was, this is what they do. And she kind of posed like sitting down like a guy and on, on the cell phone, all of them were like this. They all do this all, all the time. And I told them, I was, dude, that's crazy, you know, because we can't, we can't just sit there. We our our mind has to always be like on something always, always. 
it's interesting because sometimes you look and you wonder like why are those guys on the on their phone over there at the table and maybe it's because they're not comfortable enough to to have a conversation maybe they're working maybe they're working on something together so sometimes you have to be careful as you're being judgmental looking at that you never really know what you're looking at Um, yeah but uh it's it it's crazy the amount of time that people will spend on their phones. And, you know, recently, I think it was the last haircut we were talking, how Apple in their new update had really I was just about to mention screen that. Screen time, yeah. which I think is genius. And they're, they're doing it for data collection, of course. But, like, we have now have the ability to look at our phone and see how many times we've picked it up throughout the day. How many times we, or how much time we've spent on each individual app. Which is great. I don't think that enough people. I don't think enough iPhone users are going to be aware of it, or even care, or realize the power of it. But it, it gives you the ability to put it into perspective because I don't think that enough people realize how much time they spend on these devices. Out of curiosity, what's your time? <laughs> I'm sad. I just, keep in mind, I use my phone quite a bit for work. I'm averaging five to six hours a day now. I. I like I said I use it a lot for work I also use it a lot for um, I use it for all my music streaming you know through uh, my phone is used all but day what, long. okay so it's, music music streaming I kind of understand the work but it also says like a social media what's that at do you know uh, to be honest I'm not sure actually we could check but uh, you know no judgment here um, it's uh, it's definitely gonna be high because like I said I, I've been into the dating scene lately and have these match apps and whatnot so that influences the usage here a little bit but let's see what we got uh, yeah because we we checked mine and mine was what was it like an hour and forty minutes like on a daily average I think I was I was holding up so we've got <laughs> let me see what what falls under social networking before. <laughs> All right. So social networking, which would be any form of Snapchat, Messenger, Facebook, Match, Pinterest, Instagram, or Messenger. Now, I use most of those for business anyways. I used 21 hours last week of social media. That's insane. I feel terrible reading these (laughs) stats right now. (laughs) So I have averaged six hours a day on the phone. Um... Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, so it seems like the majority of my time on the phone is spent on social networking. But keep in mind, messaging I use a lot for, you know, everybody uses Messenger. Facebook is for work a lot. Match has been to try to fill the emptiness in my heart. <laughs> Pinterest is to help me be more creative for my job and just life in general. Instagram, who doesn't use it except for Juan? But um Messenger is also another tool for business. Um, no, listen, listen. So uh, uh, a whole bunch of people have asked me this. So they, they asked me, they're like, Juan, like, how come you don't have a Facebook? How come you don't have Instagram? Like, that's so dumb. And I, I tell them for one reason, and they don't get it, you know. So I'm going to try to explain myself and articulate my words as best as I can. So hopefully people can kind of grasp this a little bit. Now, the reason why I don't, and I always say this, um, and, and I never have enough time to explain, is for my marriage, right? My biggest reason is uh, Facebook, um, that social networking, all that, um, immediately what would begin to happen is somebody begins to hit you up. Somebody begins to say to you, you know, hey, you know, uh, you look cute, you know, a, a quick message on there, you know? And truth be told, all men are um, 
by nature they want to to impulsively make a, a movement an action you know so for that reason um if 20 30 40 women hit up i mean it, it by nature, you know, I, I want to preserve my marriage. I want to preserve who I am with my children. I know that I have a great wife, you know. Dude, I come home and I have a wife that that cooks. I have a wife that does the laundry. I have a wife that takes care of the kids. I have a wife who loves me, who will bring me coffee. And I think to myself, why would I ever... I already screw up enough in my marriage, dude, you know, with my own stupid decisions. Let alone have, a, have somebody hitting me or temptations to destroy my marriage. You know, that would just push it over the board for my wife to be like, screw you, you know? And Instagram, the reason why I don't like Instagram, um, Instagram uh, is because uh, I believe that Instagram uh, perceives to anybody else who's looking at your pictures the lie that you live. You the know? life that they want you to yeah. think that they live. Exactly. Because, it's interesting. Because uh, think about it like this, right? How many times did you go to a house party and you're like, wow, that was a boring ass house party. But then you see maybe somebody else who's at the same house party and they took a picture. One picture. They took one picture, you know, with a selfie, with a drink in their hands, with three other friends going, hey, for just a split second. And then after that, they're like, okay, thank you. And then everybody just sat down all quiet again, you know, just they drinking. They did it for the gram. Yeah, they did it for the gram. Yeah, you know, you hear that saying a lot. You know, I, I didn't even know what that was because I'm not part of that. So I was like, what does it mean, do it for the gram, you know? But they take that picture. And then what happens is that one friend who maybe the parents, right, the parents who are so strict, you know, they say, you can't go out. So, of course, he's looking on Instagram and he's like, damn, that's the friend who doesn't have the strict parents, and guess what? I just saw his Instagram post, and it looks like he's having a blast. So in turn, the kid who's who has a strict parents, you know, he's sitting at home, and he begins to rebel against his parents. He begins to say, screw you guys, because look, you know, he doesn't tell his parents this, but in his head, he's thinking, screw you, because now I'm at home, bored as hell, because of you, you know? But he doesn't get to see that that girl got drunk and then three hours later she got high and then she was maybe abused by one of those guys that was at that party, you know? So a lie is being fed to her, you know, and it, and it happens with men too. You know, men look at a woman and they see, oh my God, look at that hot woman. Oh my God. You know? And then, you know, you continue on with the pictures and you you desire this. So then what happens? Then a girl comes along who's a who's the perfect match for you, who's the greatest girl that's ever going to come across in your life. But because you've built an image of your head of what a woman should look like because they have you know, a, a, a figure, a certain figure, a certain way of looking, a slender body, you know, fake boobs, you know. And you you say to yourself, that's the image of a woman that I want to have. You've you've built a lie of this picture of a woman in your head, the how she needs to look. So when the right girl comes along, that's the right heart, the right character for the rest of your life. You missed her. You missed her because in Instagram you were fed a lie in your head. You know. So that's the. Now I'm not saying it's bad, and I'm not saying rebel, and I'm not saying going against this because I do know some people who use Instagram for business, and they market like you would not believe, social media, Facebook, all this stuff. But I do believe that you can be a success story without it. You know, I've never ever once touched um, social networking, and my business has succeeded. You know. Everybody laughed and they were like, how are you going to spread this podcast out? And honestly, I didn't even know. I started this podcast just kind of like, 
just to play around, just to see what would happen. Yeah. And it spread all on its own, you know, without uh, social Any promoting. Yeah, all, I never had to awesome. do anything. All I did was just, I was like, let me just put, because I just wanted people to have uh, great interviews without judgments, without massive amounts of judgments, you know. And if sometimes I come off like I'm making a judgment, forgive me, because that's not my intention. My intention is just to open your eyes, like the title is, food for thought, give you something that your brain will have food to think about, you know, constantly, constantly. So for that reason, um, I don't have social media because I look at my children, I look at my wife, I look at everything and I go, I don't, I don't want to have enough. I already have. You got uh, the perfect life already. You yeah. don't need to. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to say perfect. You know, <laughs> dude, I'm like changing massive diapers like every other, every year, you know. There's no such thing as perfect anyways. <laughs> no, there isn't, you know. And success. See, this is another thing. This is another thing that I wanted to bring up with you too, because um, success is 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 very interesting. Because many people think success is money, you know, and and it's really not. I think success is when you you know, um, the actual definition of success. I think, if I'm not mistaken, is when you've achieved a goal um, that you've desired. That's uh, actually let's look it up right now. That's yeah. last theory. Siri, what is the meaning of success? I'm listening. I'm listening. Nice. I don't know what you mean by... What is the meaning of success? Success means the accomplishment of a name or purpose. So the accomplishment... Sorry, go ahead. The accomplishment of an aim or purpose, you know? So... It's open-ended. It really is, but, you know, people listen... I need success, you know, and some people are, 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 have a good wife, have good kids, have a great job, have a beautiful home. And because maybe in their head, they're thinking, I'm not making massive amounts of money. I'm not successful yet. Is it in their head or is it what they're seeing on Instagram that makes them want more and make them feel like what they have is I not enough? I think it enough? could be both. It's definitely both. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're sitting there and, and, and they have a great life. I, I see people that I, I think to myself. You have such a good life, you know. If you if you were to have if you were to just to stop and to just sit in silence to think of your whole life, where it was, where it's at now, and where the possibility of the future could be, you know, you would probably look over and be like, "I'm living a great life." Meanwhile, most people are caught up in the moment and they're worried about the argument they had with their wife that morning about the dishes or something petty and so simple that shouldn't have even gotten to what it got to. And that's what they're caught up on rather than the, the, the good, you know, and not taking the time to realize everything that they actually have. And I think that comes from no silence, you know. Self 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 observation is is key. It's it's really made me who I am now, and I'm, I've just started this path, and I'm so excited to see where where I go with it. You know, I like I said, I took my first course in June, and I already signed up for my second course in December here. And even even if even if uh, this path somewhere along the way you go, oh, it's not 100 percent. You still, I've you're gonna you've learned something from it. You know, this is one thing about me and this is, I think as a society, we live in, we live with too many expectations and I try to live with zero expectations because then I'm never upset really when things don't go the way that 
I expected them to because I was never really expecting to them to go any certain way. I, I like to be calculated, so of course I think about what I'm getting into and think about the different outcomes it could be, but I never fascinate on, on one of them and think that that's how it's going to be. I just let it go and know that whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and, and I stay true to myself and my morals, and I respect everyone in my life. And that's just kind of how I roll where as a society, we're just, they're always expecting something. Like if you had a bad experience at a restaurant, you're expecting that meal for free now. And it's like, you know what? Mistakes happen. And I'm sure a decent amount of your listeners here have worked in a restaurant. It, it's it, nothing goes perfect always. There's no such thing as perfection back to that. Like it, it, mistakes will happen. So why are you so entitled and what makes you deserve a full, you know a whole entire free meal because your french fries came out cold you know everything else was fine but your french fries were cold or something everybody's expecting a handout or you know it, 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 it's crazy as a society you know every you, you get rear-ended in a little accident and people are expecting to to sue and, and get rich expectations are not good yeah instant you want instant gratification you know and it's funny too because um if Many people always think that because we have such a high standard for ourselves and such a high um, moral ground, such a high way of thinking that we're so good, that we deserve so much, that um, if, if more people thought like that, like, you know, no expectations, you know, because if you go in into your house and the first thing you think to yourself is, um, you know, I want, I, I hope. I deserve my wife to cook me a steak, right? Let's just say. And you come home to some ramen noodle soup, you'll be pissed. You know, you're going to be like, what the hell was that? But if you go home thinking to yourself, you know, uh, you know, I'm not expecting anything. What's going to happen is, you know, you get ramen noodle soup and then you're like, thank you. I appreciate, you know, you're more appreciative towards things. Your needs were met, and that's really what matters at the end of the day. You were hungry, and does it matter whether you got steak or ramen noodles? No. What matters is that you were taken care of, and you were fed, and you were. So it, it's it's always interesting to see what people fascinate on. Did you did you think like this before um, going to this meditation, or or to, do you think that it 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 switched? You know, mm-hmm. after coming back. No, no, no. Definitely thought like it before. It's just strength and sense. It's it's brought me more in tune with myself and more aware. <clears throat> the the I I realize early on like you can't expect anything you know what it, you get out of whatever you put into it and uh, too many people you know want to become millionaires overnight but they're only willing to put in the work of the minimum wage employee and it's just not realistic and what's sad is that today with all the social media and all the different online sources sometimes images are portrayed that it is that simple and there don't get me wrong there are some circumstances where in today's world you could become a millionaire overnight which is awesome it's crazy to think that that's even possible but it's it's rare you know like what was the the mega millions that came by recently it was like a billion dollars 1.6 billion i think and the stats on it were like 
you're more likely to be stuck struck by thunder and lightning 13 times before winning this and it's just it's so funny to think like i once had a buddy that it was a big powerball and he bought like 200 worth of tickets and when he didn't win he threw a fit like a child and he couldn't wrap his head around it like what the heck i spent all this money and it's like what's wrong with you like how could you expect that like look at the real look at the reality of the situation look at the odds they're against you like it's so funny to see people we live near a casino and I go there often and it's just interesting to see like how angry some of these people get that they lose their money. And I always say, oh, to oh, them, and it's funny. You'll see some of them that'll look over and it cracks me up. Like, cause you know, I used to go to the casino a lot, you know, um, hanging out, uh, with my brother, you know, uh, going out to dinner, just chilling there, you know, and yep. sometimes we'd pass by, you know, play a little quick game or something. And you would see guys just get pissed off and they'd be like, they would threaten, threaten the guy. I'll see you outside. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna whoop your ass. You know, once you, I'll be waiting out for you in the parking lot. You know, and, and I'm thinking to myself, like this guy is just handing out the cards. You're pissed at him, like he had all the blame. You know, like, and, and people get so pissed off, you know, because, you know, they're expecting, you know, to win like millions of dollars. Well, nobody also like people don't like to hold themselves accountable. We also live in a time of which everybody points the finger. No, it's their fault. Or if they didn't do that, then I wouldn't have done that. And so that guy there that's freaking out at the dealer, like at the end of the day, he's the only one accountable. You made the decision to pull in this casino parking lot with this money and put it on a table. So there, it's no one's fault but your own. And if you were foolish enough to think that by putting that money on the table, it guaranteed you to be a winner, then you are an idiot. And I'm sorry, but if I always say to the people at the tables, look up and look around. This place is not built on winners. For any of you that have been to Mohegan Sun, it's a beautiful facility. And they're not built based on us all taking their money winning. Like, And that's just the reality of it. It's a casino. Like, You have to know that going into it. And it boggles my mind sometimes to see how some of these people react. And it's just like, how did you not realize this was a possibility? Like, You just put yourself in this situation where you lost your mortgage, let's say. And it's like, what is wrong with you? I like to gamble for fun, but I don't, you know, I have control of it and don't allow myself to ever put myself in a predicament where I would allow my anger to to get to that level and even if I lost more than I should have it's my fault and I'm aware of that I'm in tune with myself and, and realize that where everyone else it's easier than to process what just happened and actually think it all through it's easier to say it's your fault you dealt me the wrong cards I'm never coming back here again like it, it's easier to point the finger and it's sad and you know the thing is uh I think I think it'd be good for a lot of people to go and just let's say you smoke, just smoke, walk around, and look at people's faces. It's misery, so much misery and emptiness. And, and emptiness. it's crazy. I, I hear so many people say this all the time, and it cracks me up when I hear this. They say they're just holding my money. You know, I'm like, yeah, they're gonna be holding your money forever. You know, like, and and I hate when people say. Uh, uh, when they sit there and they'll say, well, I've won more than I've lost. And I tell them, let's say you have, let's say you have. Was that last year that you won more? Maybe let's say a grand more. Yeah, you won 22000 last month, but you lost 21000 you know? Yep. For that extra $1,000, was it worth all the headaches that you went through of, you know, not paying your rent on time, going through the stress of working extra overtime hours, you know, or your daughter or your children not being able to have the clothes? And it, 
I, you know, sit there and just look at these people's faces. They're miserable. I mean, they're miserable. And sometimes I've, I've, I've tried to think, is it because, you know, I've thought about that, you know, is it because of the accountability? Is it because, um, you know, the fact that they're, they're expecting something of it? Is it because their life revolves around money? And now what, what, what their center of, of gravity has been, you know, their whole life. Now they've lost it, you know, um, because think about it. If, if I were to take away your sweater, you'd probably wouldn't be that bothered about it. You know, I take away your shoes. You'd probably be a little bit pissed about it. If I take, but if I take away your money, even if it's $5 from you and I take it from you, that'll probably piss you off more than the shoes because, uh, your, your life revolves around money, you know? So I think about that too. I'm like, is it, I've thought of so many different things. What is it that kills them? You know what I mean? I think it's all circumstantial, just like everything in life. And I think some of them go there for the adrenaline. Some of them go there for the dopamine. Some of them go there to look at women. Some of them go there to socialize because they don't have friends. Some of them go there for the free drinks. Some of them go there because they have nowhere else to be and, you know, they love pressing that button on the slot machine because one day they won 22000 10 years ago or whatever the case may be. And, it, you know, some of them just, it, it, everybody's got their own story. You know, it, it is funny you say that because a lot of these people, you, you do look at them, a lot of them are lonely. It's sad. You yeah. see so much loneliness there. And then the other thing that I've noticed is uh, the as technology has advanced, the casinos have gotten away from your standard gaming table, and they've turned to a digital platform. So now it's just like a slot machine mentality for roulette and blackjack and these card games. So there's no more dealer, person, people, you know, interaction. You're just staring at a screen. So let's say you're there with five friends. You're all at different screens, spread out, disconnected. Nobody's talking. Nobody talks anymore. When you go out and look around, very few people are talking, and it's sad. We need to dialogue. We need to talk. We need to be aware. We need to be grateful. Instead, we're all distracted by the nonsense on our phones. No, these phones are powerful, powerful, powerful tools, and sometimes we don't realize what others are doing on them. Sometimes, you know, some people are working and being successful and, and you know, bettering the world because they're working on a cause. But then there, there's the more majority that's spending 21 hours on social networking. Just killing week, time. Just st- scrolling around. Like, it's, you know, looking at nonsense or looking at the same feed over and over again. It's just like, you know, what are you doing? Listen, there's something. I used to do this like crazy. Like, yeah, now right now I have maybe an hour and 40 minutes of screen time in general. But I, I was one of those like six, five hours and seven hours a day, you know. There was times where I would go in, sit down on the toilet and watch YouTube. And I was done pooping like two, <laughs> two hours ago. But I'm just caught up in videos. I'm like... <laughs> it's funny you say that. I just saw at Home Depot the other day a new toilet paper stand that had a cell phone holder built into it. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, because you sit there and, and it, it's crazy. It controls. It's addiction, man. It's an addiction. I know we're it not aware of Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. It, because it's become so... Um, there's actually... I forgot. Somebody was telling me this. I forgot who it was. One of my One of our clients said... You're actually, there's actually three times as many phones on this planet than there is people. That's crazy. 
That's crazy. Yeah, like you think about that. That they they were saying every single human being like almost is is holding a phone in their hands. That's ridiculous. Complete man. other topic, but think of all the data that's being collected. Yeah. <laughs> all those devices out there just listening. Oh. And how about the Google Homes and the new, you know, Alexas and all that? I saw some stat. I forget what it was, so don't quote me on it. But it was like two-thirds of American homes had a smart home device in it or something yeah. like that. It's just crazy. The um, There is actually a story, uh, and you can look this up. I don't remember exactly how it was, but that they found out that Alexa was recording right and sending those uh messages so they were talking about one person right let's say like you and me are talking about some guy named brian right and and alexa is like off on the side the the box there i don't know what it is and then out of nowhere it just hears the name and what it did was it sent recordings to the guy named brian of what they were talking about luckily they weren't talking anything bad but it's multiple scenarios have happened like this because Alexa is listening all the damn time. And dude, Amazon is a company that's growing. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of going into I'm going into like conspiracy theory here a little bit. <laughs> but you know, think about all like you said, all the data that they're collecting. You know, Facebook was was just went to court for this. You know, because there's what, no regulation. Exactly. There's no because we're entering into a whole new world. You know, this is a whole new world being built in, in, in the matrix, quote unquote, you know what I mean? And this whole new world is being built without rules. So there's, there's you're in a, in a new world with no rules yet. Did you watch any of that? The Mark Zuckerberg uh, interview there with the Senate or not the House? Yeah. The, the questions they were asking were ridiculous. Like, yeah what are you doing? Like, let's get some people in here that know what's going on and get them to ask the right questions. We're America. We're supposed to be advanced. We should be ahead. Like, get a grasp on this and figure this out before it's too late. I personally think, and not to get into conspiracy theories at all, but I think they enjoy the data collection and the information and no regulations right now, and they're going to use it to their advantage as time goes on. It's crazy because I, 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 it's funny that you say that. I, I was listening to that, and as I was listening to it, I just kept thinking to myself, holy moly, like they're, 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 they're asking him questions like, um, uh, because I guess he was, Facebook was going in, grabbing what you research, what you listen to, uh, the conversations that you had in, in there in turn, if you think about it, if you pull up your Facebook and some one of your other friends pulls up his Facebook and you look at the ads that pop up on your social media or different things that will go off towards you. What is it? Most of it is uh, geared towards the things you like, towards conversations that you have with other people on the cell phone, the calls that you get. So they're 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 through Facebook. It's touching your phone calls from what from what part of the state they're coming from. They're they're touching upon what you're um, reading, googling, um, what you're researching, everything, and then they go, all right, here. But you think, do you? Re- I mean, think about it. If I had that much info on you, would I use it? Would I truly use it just for ads? I mean, with that much power, the, knowing that much knowledge of you, the technology has never been there to have the ability to collect the amount of data that is being collected. We have the ability right now to be able to tell. 
people people that have Facebooks will c- connect everything to it. Everything they like, everything they dislike, their family members, the places they've been, the, the, the things that they attend, the events they attend, you know, everything that they've done, their jobs, their relationships. That is gold to, for, in, in data terms, that's gold. Now, the government's never had the ability to have any of that. Thing you wonder what 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 do they want that for? Like most people are like, well, what 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 what, what good does that do them? Well, it it helps them con- better understand us so that they can better manipulate us and control us, and that's what we're not aware of. And you know, some of us are, and it it's deep. Um, years ago, on like sixty minutes, I remember seeing an episode of the largest growing unregulated industry. The United States is known to jump on regulations when something starts up. Like they want to regulate it, tax it, get their money and have control. But they're not jumping on regulations with data collection, which just screams red flags. I know and, and you know you know what I'm it's funny because you everything that you do, every program, every new thing you sign up for, every new email account, every new uh podcast website every everything every new app that you get into you can always go on go on it through you can sign in two different ways usually usually it's through google or through facebook you know oh sign up but if you don't want to create an account just sign in through facebook you know or sign in through google you know what does that do it connects more data for them and you think about it this is um this is 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 like the new social security you know this is the government's new way of social security because they're looking at it and they go okay well we got this information we 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 got everything well now we know what he likes this is better than social security numbers if you think about it because social security numbers will only connect what you decide what you decide you know what uh, limited information in comparison to what facebook provides oh my it's god ridiculous. you know and and it's funny because they didn't um so they didn't truly finish those court hearings. Like they more or less yeah. did, but they didn't. Just to appease the public, to make it look like they yeah. cared and then they yeah, it's I ridiculous. bet you they had some background like office talk and yeah. you know, sitting there like, Hey listen, give us the information and we're gonna help hook you up in this. Yeah, we'll help you figure this out. We just need complete access to everything. Like it's ridiculous. And and you know, what's the old saying? Knowledge is what? power exactly so, so the more knowledge they have on us the more what power they have on us and like i don't want to come off as some conspiracy theorist here but oh, it's, we totally but, are right but now at the, <laughs> but at the end of the day what we're what we're speaking are facts yeah. these are facts these are things that are are brought to our attention and and in front of us like you can all you listeners out there you cannot even you can't say that there hasn't been a time that you've scrolled through facebook and been like why is why is kitty litter popping up i have never searched kitty litter Oh wait, I was at Ann's house this weekend and we were talking about her cat. Like what? Like why is this happening? It's one thing to type in in your search bar and have, you know, ads pop up from that, but Facebook has gone much further and they listen all the time. And I don't buy it that they're just solely listening for these da- the ads and whatnot. Like that, that that I don't buy it. They're always listening. They, they the more they know the better. And <laughs> I I don't know. I I mean, I'm not I'm not telling people to 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 go off the grid either you know because i mean then then you're going to a whole nother extreme you know but i don't know hopefully people do wake up a little bit to think to themselves i need to chill out absolutely you know and and i know you don't like to get into politics much but like our age you know we're early 30s and it's really important that we're aware of what's actually going on they make these politics all the uh, political stuff so 
intimidating and overwhelming. And today it's like, it's like watching General Hospital. It's not even politics. Like I have a 92 year old grandfather who's sharp as can be. And this man just hits me with knowledge on the government all the time. It's great. And he's lived through a lot, you know, he's seen a lot and with experience comes knowledge as well. So he has a lot of knowledge, and it's just absurd, some of the propaganda that goes on nowadays with government. And what I see is I see our generation, the ones that matter, you know, as far as voting goes, they, they just shut down. They're like, oh, I, yeah, you know, I, I don't really know. It's too much. I don't understand it. And it's like the government has made it that way on purpose, and that gives them the upper hand. And we really need to become more aware because if we don't, we're going to lose more and more power as individuals and more and more rights. Gun rights have gone crazy, you know, and, and rightfully so, you know, um, but just freedom of speech, you know, just it, with the fast paced changes in our society and the way the information is spread and how freely we give out our information if we don't get regulations in play, we're going to be in some serious trouble. And it might be hard for most of you to understand or foresee that, but there's a lot of ways of which this could really come back and bite us in the, in the butt. Um, but so I just, for everyone, you know, I just think that it's important that you do your best to pay attention to politics and be aware of what's going on. It's very difficult. And it's funny, like Juan started this podcast as like a little passion project here. And often I think of, uh, you know, trying to create like a, a truth channel for politics here because there's just it's so much nonsense out there. And it's just, it, I don't know how many of you guys saw the Brett Kavanaugh uh, hearing. Did you oh, see yeah, any yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett I've, Kavanaugh. I've never in my life seen people that are supposed to be like in charge of our country acting like such children. You know, it was a circus, the argument and the way that they handled themselves. And it's just absurd. And we need to do our best to keep an eye on that and to change it and keep in control of it uh, as much as possible because we don't want to lose all of our rights. We live in America, and it's a great place, and we have the freedom to do a lot as individuals compared to other countries. And uh, the last thing we want to do is lose that without even realizing that we're losing it because we're all so distracted with our heads down, scrolling through our feeds, worried about Sally who's in... Bahamas and Timmy Thompson who's over here in Hawaii and the, the nonsense it doesn't matter because it doesn't relate to our lives or our day to day we should be focused on our family who's sitting in front of us not the phone that's sitting in front of us we should be focused on educating our children and making sure that they have the tools and the personalities and the confidence that they need to succeed in this world schooling these days are i, I don't even want to get started on that but like it, it it's we have a system that's set up for failure uh to a certain degree um you know not for everyone but it doesn't really we don't we don't give people the the illusion that they can believe in themselves you know we we as they kids go through school they're navigated on such a a tight road that it's like this is what you need to do this is how you do it stay within these lines like if you go outside of these boundaries you're rebellious you're it's, the crazy one it's funny because um the, we, i was just i forgot where i was hearing this uh, i think it was on kid Karatek in the morning i listened to that show a lot and they said uh, val victorians tend to not be the most successful people in life because you're taught 
The reason why you're valedictorian is because you can find within the rules of society. You did what you were supposed to do according to society. You did your homework when you were supposed to do it. You took the test and you studied for the test. You did the pop quiz. You know, you did all the work in class, you know. And usually the most successful people in the world are not valedictorians. Actually, the most successful people in the world, they did an average of the most successful people in the world. Their GPA was 2.9. Wow. That's not that great. No. You know what I mean? No. And it's because they didn't learn to conform to the rules of society. Usually, the people who are successful had to break through barriers. They had to break through when people would tell them no. The valedictorian, when they would tell him no, he would do. He would say, okay, I'm going to listen to you. The reason why you've done great is because people told you, no, you can't do that. No, that's dumb. No, that's this. Maybe because in some way, they didn't want to see you succeed because they were too scared to push through that fear you know themselves yeah exactly so you when you didn't conform to the rules so you said when 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 they tell me no i'm not going to just bend to their will i'm going to push through this so the, the valedictorians actually are the least not the least successful but the 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 least likely to become the most successful so valedictorians think about your valedictorian in your class you know if you ever got to know them i don't know if you did my but. sister was a valedictorian one year so yeah so oh <laughs> hopefully hopefully if you if you do listen to this shout we're not out. offending you <laughs> shout out to stacy <laughs> but the, the valedictorians are never rich they're never making massive amounts of money they're just regular joe schmoe people you know just doing your everyday thing you know i think that the system is kind of designed to keep us inside of these lines and right now in the world that we live in we live in such an innovative fast-paced changing time that we really have to step outside of those lines and get creative with the way that we think because if you don't then you're going to be left behind and that's what happens is the people that are left behind they get upset because they feel like they didn't get the, the same opportunity as the guy that succeeded but really at the end of the day they had identical opportunities that person that didn't succeed might have even had a little bit more of an advantage but just less belief in themselves or less drive or ambition you know uh, we're all dealt the same cards at the end of the day you know we all have one life and we make the most of it we all have you know hardships and and stuff that we're faced with daily weekly you know always but we have to fight through those things and let we we don't we can't change the world but we can change the way that we react to it and you know too many people are too fascinated and i was like this myself at one point on trying to change the world you know or change the people in my world and quickly i realized that it's too exhausting and it's really not realistic like you can change certain things but you know the other person has to want the change and be on the same page it's much easier and it's not easy at all for but it's much easier to change the way that you see it rather than trying to change the way that it actually is and the way that you react to it um it's it's uh it's a different world than you know our parents grew up in and it scares me for you know your children and my nieces and nephew their generation and what they're going to be faced with and the disconnect in society and how they react and respond and you know i i do my best to instill confidence in them at an early age i have three nieces they are uh, four 
six and seven and a three-year-old nephew and I work with I, I get together with them every week and I'm training them to be little entrepreneurs and just give them you know some of the, the basic skills to to just believe in themselves and, and feel no limitations because as this world evolves we have less and less limitations we have access to more and more things like I don't know if you heard about this this is pretty cool um in New London here they open a place called Sparks Makerspace, I believe. Have you heard of that? Uh, no, I haven't. But It's downtown New London, and basically it's just a facility that you pay a membership to, and they have like a commercial-grade kitchen. They have a commercial-grade 3D printing workshop, a commercial-grade woodworking shop, like all these computer lab, like all these different facilities, and you have access to them. Like 20 years ago, there wasn't a place like that where you could go to one place and have access to all these cool things and try different things and you know try and make them work like let's say you join that membership and you go down there and you start playing in the wood shop and next thing you know you're making this cool little picture frame and you really like it and it's going good today's world you can go right on the internet and go on etsy or ebay or even amazon and sell it and make money so like all you have to do is believe in yourself and really follow your true passions and it will work itself out, you know, like it, too many people are just always, I can't or no, that, that that would never work or I'm scared. Now, just to be clear with everyone, I have faced many fears and many of the challenges that I overcome, I'm scared of, but I don't let the fear overpower the drive. And that's what's important. You cannot let the fear overpower the drive or the passion or the will. You have to want it you know, and you have to go for it. Like Juan, I've watched him start at, a, you know, a, a local barbershop and then build his own business to the point where now he has multiple people in there working for him. And it's just awesome to see because most of the guys our age, we know, are coming home from school with all this student loan debt and nothing to show for it. And they can't get jobs in their industry. And like college is good for the right people and the right professions. But don't go to college if you don't think you know what you want to do with it because then you just end up with a big old student loan debt and, you know, you don't have any real drive or direction in which you want to go. Uh, and I feel like too many people nowadays feel the pressure from their parents because in their parents' time, the right thing to do was to go to college no matter what. But we don't live in that world anymore. You can make of which whatever you want outside of college. It's crazy because nowadays, um, big companies, they actually rather hire somebody with experiential knowledge than the actual degree because 10 years ago, they were hiring people off of college degrees. And then they saw that their businesses were beginning to fail because these people had no experience. So they were putting big dog managers running multi-million dollar companies that had no experience. So actually, a lot of companies are looking over you have experiential knowledge? All right, I'll take you over the master's degree. So then the poor guy in the master's degree went to college and you know has $75,000, dollars $200,000 in loans, and he got screwed out by some guy who worked his way from the bottom to the top, and now he's maybe 10 years older than him, but he's got experiential knowledge, so he goes, I'll take this guy. You know, And this begins to happen with everything. That's why there's so many people with degrees that have no jobs, and a lot of people don't even know that. There's so many, um, so many different um, degrees. So many people that have graduated from college and they're they're they don't have jobs. You know, there's such a high percentage. I forgot what the number was, but it was ridiculous. And I thought to myself, Oh my God! Like it, it, this is 
this is insane, you know, and nobody's doing anything about this. And I and I tell people all the time, I'm like, I know so many people who are successful and they don't have a college degree, you know, do what you love. I always tell that to people, find what it is that you love and do that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Don't go around trying to be something that you're not and just chasing money, you know, because if you chase money, you'll never be good. You know, you'll... And another thing, let me add to that, is don't chase what your parents think that you should chase because there's too much of that out there. And these kids feel so much pressure from their family. And, like, what's sad is it's so unfair. And and I don't know everyone's circumstances. And sometimes the parents might be aware of what they're doing, forcing these children. Other times they might not. They might think that they they know what's best for the kid. But, like, at the end of the day, like you just said, you should do what you love and, and be happy with it, you know? Yeah. Well... Tim, this podcast has gone on for like an hour and 40 minutes. Time flew by, huh? Too long? Yeah. Might have no, to chop wasn't. some up. <laughs> no, no, Make no. it a two-part session. Honestly, yeah. Should um, we keep going? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll... Uh, listen, I, I would love to make these like long podcasts, like long, 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 because I think I could, I could speak with people at great lengths and get deeper into certain things that I would like to. But the problem is, is man, you, like I have an... And, and so iTunes gives me an analytics and they give me how often, right? They, 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 it goes down to age. Nice. Like, so somehow, I don't know how, but they get an average of age. I'm curious how they do that. I'm guessing when you sign up for, for your, your iTunes. Yeah. You know, your iTunes, they ask you your age, right? So I'm guessing that's how they get it. So between the ages of 16 all the way to about 20. Right, they're only listening to about forty to sixty percent of the podcast. You know why? Oh, because they probably they don't have the the the, the time. They don't the have the attention span, span. That's to it. be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. And so I looked at those ages now, from the ages of twenty one, twenty two, all the way up to about uh, thirty, they're listening to the full podcast. From beginning all the way to end. Now that's my biggest uh, listeners. Those are that's I. I think I saw, I think it was like 72.33% of them are between the ages of 22 to 30, yep. which is my biggest, you know? Target audience. Exactly. But, you know, the reason why I, I don't go full into it, because um, I think that they would probably look at it and go, oh, crap, you know? Um, well, so, why don't we ask the listeners here, what, what, do you, what would you guys like? Would you like some short clips here, you know, like seven-minute episodes with just some knowledge here? Or do you like long episodes? Leave some stuff in the comments here. No, We'd love to hear the feedback. I, 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 I bet you I bet you, everybody's going to walk into the barbershop. Yeah, man, just chop it up to like 30 minutes, man. Just hurry up. Well, <laughs> well sometimes you have to, you know, just to keep people's attention and, and shorten it up and make them more frequent. I would know? like to do that. I really would. But I'll tell you the reason why I'm not going to do it. Because then I'm going to fit the status quo. And I don't want to. I respect a, that. A lot of people, when you watch a video, how to do videos, we've, we've, um, we're, we're continuing to feed society in the way that we're, we're helping them to, be, uh, to get instant gratification, instant knowledge, instant everything. You know, no patience, no time, no silence, no nothing. So because you watch a video on how to do before, if you used to watch a YouTube video on how to do it, it was like a 15-minute long video. Now every how-to-do video, they've cut all the dead time, and they've taken a 15, 20-minute video and made it into two minutes. Yep. So they do the bolt, you know, and they skip that whole part, you know. So we're teaching society to be impatient. 
And so, you, in turn, it's packing more and more into their life, it, which is more and more distraction. Yeah, exactly. So I, I told myself, I'm not going to do it. I want to. <laughs> I do have the urge to. I, I respect it. Because I, I think to myself, I would probably grow even faster if I did it that way, to be honest with you. I think a lot more people would be willing to listen to it. But I'm like, let it grow the way that it's been growing. And, and that's dialogue. Because dialogue, that's what, I, that's what this podcast is. This podcast is to create dialogue. To create two people that will just talk. Because this, is, this happens every day. You and me talking like this, these are great thoughts. I, I'm, I'm going to walk away thinking I learned something and vice versa with you but because we don't talk we don't have these moments society doesn't have these moments of shit you know yeah i i didn't i'm not learning anything you know you you, you're you're not talking that's not true they're learning where sally's on vacation or (laughs) you know the new outfit that this one just got for their dog you know did you did you see that i i guess google now you could take a picture and in the picture, you can highlight somebody's sneakers, and then it'll actually find where you actually uh, can buy those sneakers and what price they're at, all from a picture. Yesterday, I was at Walmart, and the lady uh, had a like a scanner on her on her waist, and she said that now they can cash you out with card anywhere in the store. Shut up! Like it's all about fast paced. Like we need to get them in, get them out, in and out, in Walmart and out. Walmart can do Walmart that. Walmart can do that. Only card though. Only card, not cash. But yeah, they can do that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, look, you see Amazon now, two-hour delivery. Are you kidding me? Two-hour delivery? What? That's crazy. Nobody wants to wait anymore. You're going to see so many brick-and-mortar stores close up, and I'm just curious to see what the real estate converts into because there's too many large buildings to just knock down for no reason. So I'm interested to see what fills that space. You no, know? And, and, and you know what the thing is, too, um, that in that well i'm not gonna say who because who knows man this might turn into like a threat or something but but somebody somebody in my one of my workers we were listening to um elon musk you know this guy is intelligent i mean yeah. this guy he's horrible at articulating his word i mean they'll do interviews with him and they'll ask him a question and he doesn't answer the question he answers something completely different <laughs> but he's so intelligent and he's creating so many things. He's innovating the world. He's changing society. He's doing so much things. I mean, all from intellect, you know. And um, he, he, uh, they were talking about AI, you know, artificial intelligence. And my worker was like, yo, somebody's got to shoot that guy and just kill him. He goes, because he's, he's just going to, like, convert society into something that he, even, he doesn't even know. Like, and, and it's true. Like, you know, we're moving at, we're moving so fast. I mean, you think about this. Think about we've the human society has existed for millions of years, right? You know, I don't know exactly, you know, but let's say millions and millions of years humanity has existed, right? We've gone nowhere. We've gone nowhere for millions of years. In the last hundred years, we've catapulted. I mean, we went from being riding in carriages, wooden carriages, to now smart, you know, cars that will will drive themselves and and, and having intelligence and power at the palm of our hands, you know, light, heat. I mean, we've we've jumped in in such a, a small microscopic scale on the timeline 
We're, we're a speck of sand, sand in this timeline compared to the, the existence of the world. And we've jumped. We've catapulted. We've shot ourselves so far into the future in such a small time frame. I mean, you think about this, that's crazy. And we're moving so fast. And, and we have no way to regulate ourselves because we've never entered into this this error to know what 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 are the effects for the future because it's such a small small time frame. They say in order for you to see how well something will work moralistically, uh, laws, um, um, you know, amendments, uh, all these things, you need to you need to have fifty years to be able to see if 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 what are the repercussions of these things or i think it's 100 years we we're we're in an, in a in a pock a time where we don't have no time to see repercussions it's changing it's evolving so fast you know that we don't know what the repercussions are 100 years 50 years we don't know if the stuff that we're doing now is we're going to look back 100 years from now and go what the hell were we doing you know when people were using lead paint yeah they were like, oh, this is good. Then years later, they're finding out, oh, my God, that was bad. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I think we're going to look back and we're just going to go. That was the dumbest thing society <laughs> could have ever done. What were we thinking at that time? You know what I mean? Because every child now gets a cell phone. Kids, little kids, you know. I was talking to a teacher in my kid's school, and they were saying the most difficult thing that they're having right now is getting a kid to learn to use a pencil. Seriously, because they have they they all they know is screen. Yeah. So when w- a lot of kids, they'll take the actual uh, um, like piece of paper, and they try to swipe up to erase a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy that that they they try to erase like if they would do a a, a, a tablet, a tablet yeah. or a phone, and and I think we're gonna look more towards the future. Either, either two things are going to happen. Either paper and pencil are going to be non-existent in our world, which is a very scary thing. Because if this world ever goes dark, humanity's dead instantly. <laughs> or we're going to look back and we're going to go, what were we thinking? We need to revert back a little bit. You know, this is scary. You know, we're, we're, we're that we're moving into a digital age where everything will eventually become digital so quickly. It almost everything already is in just ten years. You know. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, 10 years ago, I mean, probably a little bit more than that. I say 15 to like 20 years ago, you know, we were we were in a time where we I, I would have never thought that this existed, this cell phone, you know, that I, I have so much power right here at the palm of my hands. You know, we were living off of pagers, you know. Yeah. And we thought that was a new era. We thought that was innovative. I mean, but anyways... We're going we off can go, We can go deep on this one, but yeah. uh, I don't think anyone wants to listen that long. Maybe but, next time. <laughs> well, um, how can, how, so you own a business. Yes. So take this moment to promote who you are. What's the name of your business? Uh, let's say grow on that. Or would you rather kind of hold off on that? Well, uh, I, I have a construction company and we're, we're, we're specializing right now in buying distressed properties. Um, so if you have a property that you want to get rid of, uh, you know, and, or, or mortgage that you need to get out of, cause it, whatever financial hardship that you've, you've been faced with, uh, hit us up here in the comments and, and we'll uh, get in touch with you and, uh, analyze your property and, and put together an offer for you. Um, 
at this point. That's uh, pretty much where we're at uh, as a company. Um, Do you have a Facebook That's what we're focused on. Not really designed yet for that, for the construction company, but we'll keep that separate for now. Um, but the properties are really what we're focused on uh, inquiring right now. All right. So if anybody wants to get in contact, you contact through this, and then in turn, I'll get you connected with Mr. Tim here. You get your agent fee over here, your broker fee for, for, for playing the middle, man. I'll take good care of you. Don't you worry. But, the, the, you know, just everybody out there listening, just keep in mind, you know, be more aware of the moment. Don't don't be so caught up on what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. Cherish the moment and the people that you spend it with and make sure that you're really spending it with those that deserve your time because our time's limited. Tomorrow is never promised. And you don't want to waste time with those of which are going to limit who you are. You know, I, I always try to be the dumbest one in the room so that I can always learn from all the other ones. And, you know, always remember, silence is power. So if you can sit there and listen, you're going you're gonna to gain a lot of knowledge. And if you have the self-control and the ambition to sit there and really observe yourself, you're going to become much more in tune with yourself and much more power much more powerful and have the ability to really uh, handle the difficulties and challenges that life throws our way with a better mindset and uh, become less reactive. Spend a little less time on your phone and uh, a little more time engaging with those around you, you know. A simple thing is just buying somebody a coffee, uh, you know, could make their day. You never know what the person in line behind you is faced with, you know. They could have they could have cancer. They could be on their last few days of life. You really never know, so you really need to be a little less judgmental and give people the benefit of the doubt and uh, really just be appreciative for this one life that we're given because, uh, again, tomorrow is never promised. And uh, I, it's been a pleasure being here on this podcast. Um, I was, To be honest, I was nervous about this experience, and it's been great. I really look forward to coming back again. I'm really excited and proud of Juan here for getting this thing started, and I'm curious to see how big it will grow. I hope that everybody out there likes, shares, you know, should just tells their friends about it, and definitely leave some comments in here about topics that you guys would like to hear um, discussed here on the podcast because I think it would be interesting to see what people want to learn about, what they want to hear more about because there's so many good topics that you could just go on and on and on oh, about yeah. here massive um so yeah definitely i uh, appreciate everyone taking the time to listen i hope you guys are all living the best life that you can and uh thank you all right so before we get going um thanks tim for coming along uh, make sure you subscribe hit that subscribe button because then every time that a new podcast comes out immediately you'll get a notification letting you know uh the new podcast that's coming out um also make sure you post this up if you like this uh, i always tell people if only if you like it post this up because maybe somebody will learn something deeper check out my other podcasts um i really like the one where fernando and leslie that was a great one the one on romance and love i'm getting so much feedback on that one about people um seeing the misc uh how they misconstrue this this form of love that maybe all of your life you've thought of it to be a certain way but definitely subscribe share this on facebook you can take the link and post it up on facebook you can uh screen record uh the podcast as it's playing and post that on instagram uh talk to people let them know 
um, it's it's really really a great thing. I mean, I've already had so many people that have uh, said, "Juan, this has changed me. This has made me think of uh, of my life in a different way." So that's my ESPN fantasy. <laughs> I just I just lost. That sucks. Mm-hmm. So, How does that make you feel right now? Oh, horrible. Oh man, <laughs> it's just a game. But uh, definitely share this podcast. All right. So thanks and uh, God bless.